Hey, this is Adam Strong, formerly athlete, best-selling author, and podcast host of the Game Changers Experience. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Gia Nussos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to the episode today. Great to have you with us. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name's Adam Strong, and he's known as the Game Changer best-selling author, entrepreneur, international speaker, and founder of the Game Changers Experience podcast. He currently runs three different businesses and enjoys working with business owners, entrepreneurs, or small to medium-sized companies in the professional services industry. Adam is a former elite athlete that trained with Olympic and world champion Sir Mo Farah for three years. He takes the same skill set that he learned as an elite athlete to teach his clients on how to increase profitability by building purpose-led, results-oriented, and impactful businesses. He's also the author of three books, Move It or Lose It, Fit Body, Fit Business, and Play the Game. Adam, a big welcome to you. Great to be on the show here, Dennis. Thanks very much. Really appreciate the wonderful introductions. Thank you. Awesome. Whereabouts are you in the world today? So I'm in the sunny Mediterranean, the eastern Mediterranean. So I'm in a, I'm in Cyprus at the moment. So <laughs> it's not as warm as I'd like it to be, but uh, but I'm hoping for some much more paradise, sunny weather. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Cyprus is a great place. I mean, I um, come from a Greek background, of course, and been to Cyprus too, and had a look, and uh, it's just amazing island, right? I mean, it's it's wonderful, and and I love just that. I was there in summertime, so of course it was really, really hot. And um, so no problem. That's coming towards your way very, very soon. But I think you're also based in other countries too, like the UK. Is that right? Yep. So I'm British because I've got a British accent, as you can tell. I've, uh, so I, I do a lot of my business over in the UK as well. And also uh, my other half, she's, uh, she's Scandinavian, so she's Swedish. So I, I kind of, I suppose I set up my business, Dennis, in, in, a, in a digital nomad type of style. So I can pretty much work wherever I want, where, whenever I want, wherever I I want in the world and I get to have that flexibility. So uh, it's great to have that. That's awesome. Now, wonderful to be able to be training with, um, with you know, world-class athletes like yourself and others as well. I mean, that would have been really, really, really exciting. Tell us a little bit more about that experience. Absolutely. Well, I, I actually started off in the world of athletics from a very young age. I, even though most of your listeners can't uh, see me, I actually lost my hair through alopecia at the age of 11. Well, actually, it was the age of 10. And it was all due to stress and worry. And I actually got into athletics at quite a young age through the encouragement of my father. And this is where I had actually met 
my uh, former training partner who become the world and Olympic world champion in five and 10,000 meters. So I was very much a condition from a very young age to get in the zone, to get focused, to be become mentally tough in tough, ever-changing times like we go through in the world today. So, you know, it was very privileged. You know, I represented my county, which is kind of just below sort of national level. So I did get to national level anyway, but didn't quite get as far as representing the UK or in England in in any big championships because it is a very, it's one of those kind of like, you know, like it gets to a point in your career where you have to start to make some real tough decisions, Dennis. So you either either go down the the, uh, academic route or you go down the route of, you know, am I going to be a sports player? Am I going to be a take up football athletics in my case, of course? And then, uh, but to me, it was a real, it was a real, it was a real sticking point for me because when you get that good in your career and from an academic perspective, my family, we, we grew up uh, very, uh, very poor. You know, so we didn't come from a very wealthy background. And so I was really weary about that, that I felt like I really needed education. And you see the shock stories, whether it be in cricket, whether it be in whatever it is, but you get these like life-changing injuries and you've got no uh, education. That was at the back of my mind. So it's kind of like risk, you know, weighing up the risk for me. So, but you know, I had a great career in what I was doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And, and of course, the show about leadership was changing and that we'll talk a little bit more about that, but it's all about the game change. It's all about change as well. And you had a turning point in your life where you had to decide which way you want to go. And that's not always an easy thing. And if there are listeners who are now right now thinking about a turning point in their life, career-wise, business, and other things, what would be one or two things that you might say to them for them to start thinking about to help them in that decision-making journey? Yeah, good question. And and I think it, I think what you have to do is you have to go back to basics, Dennis. What do I mean by that is you have to think about what is the what is the vision for your life? What is the vision for your business? Like we all have a vision, right? Now we have, uh, and, and if you don't have a vision, I'd endorse you to go back to those core foundations and think about what is it that, you, how is it that you want to impact the world later on in life? How is it that you want to uh, be seen? What is your legacy that you want to build? What is your purpose in life? You have to ask very tough questions to yourself. I suppose it's a bit like having a, a Q&A session with your critic or your inner critic and uh, or your subconscious mind and sort of saying to yourself, well, what is it that I want from my life? That's what you really need to think about first. So that's the first big question you have to really ask yourself is ask those specific questions. What is my purpose? What is my why? What is my vision? And so forth. If you ask those questions, then you'll, then you'll be kind of, you'll get a rough understanding of, okay, so that if it fits in with alignment to my, to what I want from my life, then then go with the flow type of thing and not think about kind of the consequences. So that's, so I hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah, it does. That's no, very good. Yeah, excellent. Now, the show, we're going to be talking about leadership is changing, of course, as we go through this. How did you get into leadership? You know, <laughs> really interesting. So leadership. So I got into leadership again at a very young age. I I actually got my first job at McDonald's. <laughs> and I'm sure that most of your listeners have probably been in some sort of job very similar. But McDonald's was my real first job. It was my first paid job, and I think I was earning about two pound eighty five, which in Australian dollars back then I think it was about three and a half bucks. So, or Kiwi dollars, even about three and a half bucks, but, but essentially it wasn't a lot of money, but I love the job at McDonald's. And the great thing about McDonald's is that 
you can teach an idiot like me at 16 years old and you can and you can pretty much teach anywhere in the world the same system the same way to cook a big mac a quarter pan of cheese or whatever it is right you can teach a 16 year old boy like me to be able to do things and so where i really learned about leadership is i actually started leaning into a mentor that really kind of took me under his wing and saw a lot of strengths in me and uh and i was 16 back then and then by the time i got to 18 i started running shift managing work at the age of 18 so i was uh doing night shifts and kind of in between studying and, and things like that and then i had to start thinking about how i get, ended up talking to people how i communicate to them what sort of respect i wanted to command you know when i was in charge and stuff like that because it would be me running the ship when all the when all the big boys had gone kind of gone home type of thing and I learned really, you know, I learned a lot from my mentor. My first mentor was actually, his, his name was called Mark Mayer. And he was a bit like, it was a bit like my a dad that I never had, right? He was kind of that father figure that kind of saw the best in me. He was a great guy because what he did is he, is he called, the great thing about a mentor, Dennis, is that they'll call you out on your good points, but they're very good at also saying, hey, so I think you can make some improvements in this area here or I don't think you should speak to that, that, that person, but this is how you could use a different way to speak to them, for example. And they'd really give you some, some great cues because it, Mark had been around for like, I don't know, 15, 20 years and uh, saw the best out of me. And then when I get to, when I got to the age of 25, uh, 21, Mark Dennis, I actually got big promotion after I'd finished all my studying and, uh, and really, I really had to up my leadership game, if I'm honest with you. At the age of 21, which is a really young age, I was pretty much running a store at the, you know, turning over about nine million pounds worth of business, selling 99 pence burgers and uh, in charge of a hundred staff at Christmas time. So I had to learn very quickly. But I had a lot of support. McDonald's was a great system back then. And this was way before they, you know, they went into mass franchising. So I was very much part of the company and stuff like that. But that was kind of uh, my first episode of real leadership. Yeah, I think they, they have a great platform to develop people. As it was said to me one day, you're a young, I think it was 16 years of age too, actually. Uh, you're a young 16-year-old with pimples. And now you're doing really well at McDonald's. I go, what do you mean? They go, well, they've got a great system for you to follow. And if you can follow that system, you'll be successful. And I think that's a big thing for us in life and for our listeners as well, is that if you have a process systems in place or your organization does, and if they don't, maybe you should put one in place. But I think it's something that's going to really help you support you be successful. And and I think even, you know, going Adam, back to your, you know, you know your elite athlete days, right? And, and doing that, there was always a process, a system, the way you trained, you warmed up, you warmed down, everything you did, right? Even in the track or whatever, and you're on a race, there would be certain things that you need to do at certain times. And so you would have a process and system there as well, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. And yeah, you're bang on the money. You're bang on the money. And again, we're, we're all wired slightly differently, but the re- reality is, is that there is a, a strategy or a system like you'd mentioned or a framework that you use in order to get the success that you, that you want. And business is no different. Hmm. Not at all. Yeah, you're absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Now you mentioned just now a leader that really helped you, but the question I've got for you is who's your favorite leader and why? Now this person could be alive or from history. Is it the same person you just talked about or is there someone different? No, I mean, the, the, the person I was speaking about really, he was my first real mentor as such. But I think if I think about real strong leaders, there was a couple of leaders that I really, I suppose, look up to more than anything else. I, I'm a, I suppose I'm a big fan of, um, 
of the natural world. And so David Attenborough, to me, is a, is a great leader. You know, I'm a big fan of, of the ocean. I'm a big water sports fanatic, for example. When it comes to scuba diving, you know, that's me. I love it. I, it's it's, it's, it's kind of like my form of meditation when I'm scuba diving, for example. And it sounds, it sounds kind of weird, Dennis, but, it, but it's true, right? But for me, so David Attenborough, he's such a natural leader. People are energized by his passion and enthusiasm without expectation, you know, and he doesn't do it for money. He is not the most wealthiest guy in the world, right? But the reality is, is that his purpose in life, and you know, and the, and the chap is what? He's in his 90s now, right? He's in his 90s. He has his careers all based around his purpose, which is all about preserving the, whether it be animals, mammals, and so forth, you know, that's his embodiment. I really love that about him. And, you know, he's not ego driven. None of that. He's not driven by money. He just loves what he does. And I love what you say that he is a natural leader and he has the passion and enthusiasm without expectations. I love that. And yeah, it's really cool. Now you said there's possibly two. So that was one. Is there a second one? You know, there's another gentleman that I really... I've kind of, I've, I've taken it to a bit of a, a soft spot to and, uh, and vice versa, actually. And um, one of the other gentlemen that I've been following for quite a number of years is a guy called Marshall Goldsmith. And Marshall is, you know, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's been in probably the world of leadership and executive coaching for the best part of 50 years. So half a century or thereabouts is probably what I call the godfather of leadership right? Or the godfather of most people in senior leadership or senior management roles have heard of Marshall. But effectively, um, I, I was introduced to Marshall actually through through mutual contacts of mine that has taken years and years to nurture the relationship over time. And they introduced me to Marshall. And we got on like a house like fire. I remember last year, actually, I was introduced to Marshall for the very first time. He came onto my podcast. And honestly, Dennis, it was such a laugh. It was such a laugh. It really was such a fun guy and such a humble, humble guy. He's a humble gentleman is, is how I would really subscribe him, subscribe him. And to me, you know, it was really, he's just a really nice down to earth guy and so knowledgeable and just so giving. And that's a, again, another person, that's a great trait and a great strength that great leaders have. Yeah, absolutely. Being humble. Definitely. Tell me, have you met Sir David Attenborough? I haven't. No, <laughs> I'd love to though. So, yeah, well, so Adam, here's a question for you that I just thought of, and that is if you and Sir David were sitting on a park bench having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, what would be a question you might ask him? I'd probably, that's a really, really interesting question. I would probably ask him something on the lines of Do you feel like the work that you have done over the past 70 years, because I think that's what he's been doing in the last 70, 70 odd years, do you feel like it's made a contribution and an impact to? how people want to remember you once you've passed. I think that will be my good question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's more about the impact he's making and also his legacy, right? And so, yeah, I think it's, it's, that's a very good question uh, to ask, yeah. Now, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. When I mentioned that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? Well, it's, it, for me, leadership is consistently changing. It's consistently evolving, especially when we, when we, when we think about how technology is evolving, how business is evolving. I mean, let's look at the last couple of years, for example, you know, the way that, that leaders have changed in terms of their behavior, you know, from working from home, uh, where a lot of us have been working from home. 
the way that we, our leadership styles have also changed. So we have to evolve our leadership styles based around the demands of people. What is it that people want and need? Well, we still continue, depending on where you are in the world, of course, and where you're listening to this, it's going to depend on what the demands of people are and, and their culture. So first of all, most because most people want to feel supported, human beings are very much social animals, Dennis. And if we're social animals, what is it that social animals need? Well, they want to feel like they want, they want to see a leader who is authentic and vulnerable. They can show that vulnerability. And I found that, especially sort of prior to the, say, 2020, I found that when we think of the word vulnerability, when we think of the word authenticity, leaders always saw it as a, as a sign of weakness. But actually now what we're seeing as leaders have begun to see the impact of what the last couple of years has had on people's mental health is that they, they have parked their own egos and they part their own, should we say it, their own egos to one side and they thought about others and great leaders put others first before themselves really important. And so for me, that is a real game changer for me. What is it that people really want in this world? Well, number one, they want more compassion, right? Strong leaders show great compassion. They show understanding that actually, you know what? I understand you. I want to support you. I want to give you the tools and resources that empower you. That's what great leaders do now. Not everyone's going to step up to the game, but that's what the great leaders do in 2022 and beyond. Awesome. Great leaders put them, put others first before they put themselves. So I think that's a really, really good point to, to make. And I think Simon Sinek's actually written a book, Leaders Eat Last. Um, and I think that's very, very similar to that as well. And I actually think it's, it's, it's spot on there, Adam. Really good, good, um, good thoughts, some good analogy as well that you put with it. So thank you for sharing that. You know, Adam, we're living in a world that's just moving very fast, right? Technology, data, social business, the whole lot is just changing. And of course, being known as the Game Changer Experience podcast and and also now Leadership is Changing podcast being a guest here, what I'd be quite interested to know from you is what do you think makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? I think uh, one thing that comes to my mind, and it's one word, adaptful. A leader has got to be adaptful, okay? So strong leaders have got to be adaptful, adaptful in times of change, and, and embracing change, right, and not kind of shoving it under the under the rug and ignoring it and being ignorant about it. But leaders have got to be adaptful, adaptful in terms of the people that they're working with, in terms of the culture, but adaptful in terms of like the way that they are as people. Great leaders are continuing to learn, not just learn about the people they work with, but learning about themselves, creating a, a, an awareness which effectively evolves them as a human being, if that makes sense. So from my perspective, adaptability is probably more than anything else. And you'll see that, you know, in the business world, especially during the last couple of years, how business is evolving. A lot of the big companies are now shutting these big office blocks. They want to still give their employees this what I call flexible learning, especially in places like New Zealand, for example. They want to give this flexible learning, which means they don't need to have high overheads. You know, but then, for example, in some organizations, and I'll, I'll give a really good example here. One of my, my other half, for example, she works for a big, big national bank. Now, I'm not going to mention them, uh, them for professionalism, but what's really interesting is that a lot of the leaders in that bank still feel to this day that if they are not in control, 
okay? And that it's going to, that they're not going to be able to achieve their goals or they're not going to get the results that they're expected of them as leaders. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so there's this element of like not having control scares the hell out of them right? That, that's scary stuff, right? But actually, if you ch- switch the mindset, if you switch the mindset of that of, okay, let's have a, a great conversation of what do you bring to the table, right? What do you bring to the table as, as, as an employee or as, as a team member or whatever? What it, and, and you get and you empower them. You empower your team to effectively say, okay, these are the things, these are expectations that we wish as a, as a company from you as an individual. And then you, you put, you give, you empower them and give them a way in which they can say, do you know what? I think this is a great opportunity. I'd like to be able to do it this way and this way. And as long as they're able to deliver the results that's expected of them as a, as a person, then leaders should just be able to step back and allow them to be free effectively, if that makes sense. You mean like fly free and be the best that they can be and let their wings expand and, and go and do what they need to go and do? In a way, I mean, yes, they all have they all have a job, but effectively you have to in in order to and, and here's um three things that I've been teaching a lot of my clients and a lot of the businesses that I've been working with, Dennis, recently. And I talk about the three C's, right? So the three C's are effectively number one is connection. So you've got to effectively be able to connect with people in your organization, as well as your clients, as well as your customers, as well as your shareholders, and interject, uh, kind of bring them together in synchronicity, right? Or alignment, okay? So connection is really important. Understanding people's habits, behaviors, and motivations is extremely important as a leader. Number two, collaboration, super important. Collaboration is, is so underestimated. One of the things that we've done over the last couple of years is we've really honed down on collaboration. Because effectively, it's a bit like what Michael Jordan had said. You as an individual can perform, but when you're a team, you're invincible, right? So collaboration with people that are like-minded, that share common values as you, that effectively have the same interests as you, all right? And the third and final thing, which I think is so, again, so underestimated, but a lot of companies, some companies are really embracing this, which is community, or what I call tribe-like concept. And what I mean by tribe-like concept is effectively your team is effectively intertwined or interconnected to a leader, okay? And that leader generally it has a vision for that team. They have a vision for the company and so forth. When you create that tribal-like community, effectively, people are going to feel empowered. They're going to feel enthrilled and enlightened. And everyone kind of gels together, right? And it's not the power of one individual or a group of individuals. It is the Generally, it is the willpower of the whole tribe that really drives a business forward. So that's kind of uh, my analogy. That's awesome. The three C's there, listeners. Connection, bring it together in alignment. Collaboration is number two. And I love that one. As a team, you're invincible. Oh, I love it. And then number three, community, a tribe-like concept whereby you're coming together as a community, supporting each other. Uh, and I'm Thanks for sharing that. That is awesome stuff. Now, Adam, you and I have probably been employees in the past. We probably know businesses or have teams as well that have been working for us, or we know business leaders that we're working with who have teams. If we change the lens now from an employee's perspective, do you think the employee's expectations of leaders have changed? Absolutely. 100%. Because again, if I'm an employee, again, our working conditions have changed. And what is it that we are, and I think this is really important. As an employee, it's really important to make sure that there is clear communication 
between you and your boss or your leader or whatever it is that you want to kind of describe them as. But it's, it's important to keep that communication open, right? If you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling fearful, if you're feeling like you just need to speak to somebody, right? Then you should be able to have, you should have a, a relationship where you should be able to approach your, your boss or your leader, leader. Now, I know that's over the last sort of couple of years, things have been very difficult for people, especially in the mental health space, you know, and it's really affected people. However, I think what's really important is to make sure that there is clear succinct, again, communication fixes everything. If you have clear communication between you and your boss or your leader or whatever it is, or if you're not happy, and again, what really drives you as an individual is generally your purpose. If you're not happy with what you're doing, okay, then guess what? Change it. And if you're, if you feel like, oh, you're doing a job just for the sake of paying for the bills, stop it. Stop it right now because guess what? It's only going to lead to a path of unhappiness and it's not healthy. It doesn't create good. All it does is it creates toxicity. Okay. And, and I see so many people out there that go to dead end jobs and they do it for the wrong reasons, Dennis. Right. And I'm sure you've had friends as well. And it just, to me, it's just like, it's criminal. (laughs) It's criminal. So if you're listening to this and you're in one of those dead end jobs, but you're scared of, again, scared of getting out your comfort zone right now. Okay. Again, confide in someone that, you know, that you have close relationships with. It could be, I don't know, your spouse. It could be your partner. It could be a best friend at work, but confide in them. Don't bottle it up because I can guarantee you it will eat you Mm. away like Pac-Man does. <laughs> yeah, you're so right, Adam. I mean, it's, it's, there's uh, people I work with uh, as an executive coach and there are people who have uh, been in their role and for the last 18 months to 12 months, they've actually been bored in what they're doing and they, they're a little bit, as you said, they're afraid to actually go. But I go, hang on a sec, you've been taking the salary for the last 18 months every month, right? You've been taking that money, but you're not bringing your A game. And the, the thing here is when you say it's criminal, it's not only that, I think it's criminal in the sense that they're robbing themselves because they're not happy. Absolutely. They're not going out there to do it. And and also they're robbing the community because they're not bringing their A game and and they're not using their talent, and which is what's needed going forward. So I think it's a, it's a very good point that you've brought up here. You know what it is? I was going to say it's also selfish. It's a very selfish act. If you're not fulfilling your potential, right, and you're aware of it, this is the worst thing is that you're aware of it. You're just being selfish. You're, it's, it's, it's kind of like that compli- uh, complacency, right? Yes, we don't like to get out of our comfort zone, but sometimes we have to in order to grow and learn. Sorry. <laughs> mm. No, I think you're spot on. I love it. And when they do get out of their comfort zone, that's where the magic happens. That's 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 it. That's where it is. And who knows where it might go as well. Where do you – I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out here now and think about the future. Where do you see leadership being in five years from now? Well, that's a really interesting question. As I mentioned to you earlier, leadership is is consistently evolving all the time. And I think from my perspective, as technology starts to, again – Technology is going to be the main driver behind it. Work in different working conditions is going to be changing all the time. How do I see leadership changing in five years' time? That's a very good question. I think for me is we're going to start seeing a lot of the baby boomers retiring now and start a lot of the younger generation are going to start stepping into more senior leadership roles. And their demands are going to be very different from their parents, for example. And if you're a millennial or you were born around kind of 95 to 2000 and you look and you maybe just finished university, 
or college or whatever it is, and you're looking for that job, a lot of people are not motivated by money and wealth. They're motivated by purpose. And again, you mentioned about Simon Sinek and the why factor. And uh, I don't know if you recently saw, there was an article, I believe, in the media. I think it was like in the uh, Guardian or the Independent. I can't remember exactly. But they were talking about the resonation. You've probably heard of this, right? Where a lot of companies are now finding it so difficult to attract top talent purely because they cannot incentivize people or they're trying to use tactics, which, are, which worked maybe, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, but those tactics don't work. And the reason for that is because millennials see their parents that have worked so damn hard for their, for their careers over the last 40 years or whatever it is, they're now going to reti- uh, set to retire, but they've worked their asses off. They've sacrificed their health along the way, and they do not want to follow the same path. So that's kind of how I see leadership evolving over the next five years. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in the coffee industry and a lot of people say to me, oh, how come you didn't do the same as your mum and dad? Like open up a cafe and things like that. I'm like, look, I'm not, I'm not afraid of work because that's where as a seven-year-old kid and work in the shops, we learned their work ethic from my parents. But the one thing is, you know, mum and dad have always said to me, go, you don't need to be doing this kind of life. You go and do something what you want to go and do. I always see that as a backup. But I want to go and do, and that's around the leadership development, the the mindset and all that stuff. There's so much I can do out there and, and breathe and not be selfish in that. But I'm, I think that, you know, owning a, a coffee business is fantastic as well. That's what you do with it. That's what's going to be important. It's going back to what you just said as that example, for sure. And I think there is, you're right, there's not a lot of money out there. Well, money out there that's going to bring people in if the culture's not right, the purpose isn't right, and it doesn't match where they're going, for sure. Yes, it's really interesting. Adam, hey, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Probably the best way to, to get hold of me is probably on LinkedIn. So you're welcome to find me on LinkedIn a lot. I, I kind of hang out there a lot. and uh, Or alternatively, come and listen to, obviously, the podcast, as I mentioned, as you mentioned earlier on, the Game Changers Experience. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you're welcome to connect with us on there. Well, awesome. So, Adam, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. Appreciate your time today. Thanks very much, Dennis. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 